Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Welcome to those of you joining us online. My name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. If this is one of your first times joining us, we want to express a very special welcome to you. Invite you to fill out one of those communication cards that can be found on the seat back in front of you. If you could fill that out and complete it and stop by the Welcome Center afterwards, we have a free gift for you just for joining us this morning. For those of you joining us online, if you go to our website at vlchurch.com and click on the banner that says, Are You New Here? Complete that form that will come straight to me, and I will personally connect with you sometime this week. But indeed, thank you for joining us as well. I do have a few reminders for you today, not the least of which includes our Vision Sunday and church picnic that will occur next week, next Sunday. Um, Our church picnic celebrates our past as a church, and our Vision Sunday that will happen also on the same day celebrates our future as a church. God has blessed this church greatly. Do you agree? Yes, I, I totally agree. And uh, we are really excited about what he has planned for us in the future. And so we're going to celebrate that next Sunday after second service in our big backyard. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be great food, great fellowship, and uh, a whole lot of fun. And so we hope that you'll join us. And you might consider bringing your own chair just to ensure that you have your own seat. And might I also encourage you, Uh, to pray for Pastor Matt, uh, because his team will receive another merciless beatdown by my kickball team. And so just be praying for him and thinking about him this week. But nonetheless, we hope that you'll join us next Sunday for Vision Sunday in our annual church picnic. One more reminder for you. We've been mentioning this these last couple of weeks. Uh, The men's retreat will occur September 8th through September 10th. And it's a great time. It's going to happen at a place called Stony Glen Camp in Madison, Ohio. If you're relatively new to the church, this is a great way to get to know the men of the church in a very relaxed atmosphere. I have never been to this retreat, but I am told that uh, guys get outdoors, they shoot guns, they hike, they play card games, uh, they sit around fires and have great conversation. It's a very meaningful time. And so if you're looking to go, we encourage you to do so. It's for both men and uh, their young men for youth. And so the cost is only $95 for the whole weekend. You can sign up online at our website at vlchurch.com, or you could see Bill Anderson afterwards. He is waving his hand back uh, behind that big TV there in the uh, back part of the sanctuary. If you'd like to get signed up, you can see him or go to our website for that. So if you've come this morning to worship the Lord Jesus with your tithes and offerings, you likely know what to do and how to do it. You can uh, sign up on, or you can uh, give online, you can uh, give via text, or you can give as you exit the sanctuary this morning. But indeed, thank you for worshiping the Lord Jesus uh, with your tithes and offerings. I can ask you to stand this morning, and as you do so, uh, let's bow for a word of prayer together. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he stepped into our world to call us his own, and to lay claim to our lives. May you you remind us this morning that our identity is in you, and it is defined by you because of what Jesus has done. In fact, John tells us that to, to all who received Jesus Christ, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, Jesus did, to become children of God. Thank you for giving us that right to be called your sons and daughters, God. This is worthy of celebration today, and because of it, we come to worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. One, two, three, four. 
fountain know where blessings overflow when living water runs free from the mercy seat there's a joy i know deep inside my bones a never-ending well where i thirst no more rejoice rejoice my soul rejoice rejoice my soul come on let's praise the lord singing praise the lord jesus came for me he set me on my feet and now i'm singing praise the lord by the power of his name i'm free and unashamed so i keep singing praise the lord there's a love i know wash me white as snow heal this broken heart when he made me whole now there's no power in hell that could separate i'm forever held by his amazing grace come on rejoice rejoice my soul rejoice rejoice my soul singing praise the lord jesus came for me he set me on my feet and now i'm singing oh praise the lord by the power of his name i'm free and unashamed so i keep singing praise him praise the lord Jesus came for me, set me on my feet, and now I'm singing, yes he did, oh, praise the Lord, by the power of his name, I'm free and unashamed, so I keep singing, praise the Lord. life that day on Calvary but the grave couldn't hold him and it can't hold me I'm alive in Christ he's alive in me oh I'm alive in Christ he's alive in me praise the Lord Jesus came for me set me on my feet and now I'm singing yes praise the Lord by the power of his name, I'm free and unashamed, so I keep singing. Praise the Lord, Jesus came for me, he set me on my feet, and now I'm singing. Yes, praise the Lord, by the power of his name, I'm free and unashamed, so I keep singing. Praise the Lord. Praise who's worthy of worship and worthy of praise today and you have an opportunity to invite him into this place and meet with him this next song that we sing is an old song with a new chorus called come thou fount of every blessing and as we sing it we're inviting the god of the universe who pours out every blessing to be in this place to be in this room right now and i know i want to meet with my creator today i hope you do too as we 
call upon him to be in this place. Let's sing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Every blessing Come Thou Fount Come Thou Fount of Every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Your streams of mercy never ceasing, calls for songs of loudest praise. So teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. And I was lost in utter darkness till you came and rescued me. I was bound by all my sin when your love came and set me free so now my soul can sing a new song now my heart has found a home now your grace is always with me and i'll never be alone let's invite him Come thou found, come thou king, come thou precious prince of peace. Hear your bride to you we sing. Come thou found of our blessing. Oh, come thou found, come thou king, come thou precious prince of peace. Bride to you we sing. Come thou fount of our Yes, we are your church, Lord. We want to see you in this place today. Remember where we were and where we're at now. Oh, to praise how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a better find my wandering heart to thee prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love here's my heart lord take and seal it seal it for thy courts
you are the fount of every blessing you came to this earth and you died for us you took our sin the biggest blessing of all was you taking our sin but now we know day after day you continue to pour out blessings into this life you have been good and you will continue to be good and maybe you're here today and deep down you know exactly what God has done to save you. But your circumstances make you question, is God still good? And I would encourage you this morning to reflect back on the things that God has done and the ways that he has answered you. Because we forget. We're in our circumstance now, and we forget the goodness of God. And so this morning we are going to sing, God is so good. It's a simple chorus, easy to sing. But let us remember what he's done, reflect that back to him in worship this morning. Because he is still good. And at the end of the day, we can always sing that and know it's true. God is so God is so So good. 
to me. He answers prayer. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Would you bow and pray with me? Lord Jesus, we declare your excellencies today. We've been found by you taking our sin and shame upon the cross. You left it there. And you have given us, as Pastor Otto reminded us this morning, a place at our Father's table. What you have done is excellent. So our hearts belong to you today. 
because we are your possession. Oh Lord, if any in this place have not yet given you their heart for your own possession, I pray today would be the day they do so. Because to know you, to serve you, to love you, and to belong to you is the greatest expression of human existence. Lord Jesus, our hearts are yours today. We praise your name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. You may be seated.
ministry life, but hopefully first time in many times, would you welcome Pastor Peter, who's going to share with us this morning. Well, good morning, everyone. If you could just give me a moment here, I'm going to move my stuff around. All right. Well, it's super exciting to get to share with you. Um, I am a huge Marvel nerd. So if you are not familiar, Marvel is a company that came up with like Spider-Man, The Incredible Hulk, Captain America. I could go on and on. There's lots of them. Um, And I'm a huge Marvel nerd. So I love Marvel movies. Uh, I watched the cartoons growing up. And so naturally, as I was prepping my sermon this week, what I thought of was an example from one of my favorite Marvel movies. So the movie is the movie Black Panther, Um, and in that movie, Black Panther is a superhero, but he's also a prince. So uh, the the time comes for him where he is supposed to prove that he can become the king. And according to the laws of their nation, anyone who has royal blood can challenge him to ritual combat um, for the right to become king. So someone comes forward, and they challenge him. And up to this point, you've seen Black Panther do a lot of cool things. So you would think, ah, that he's got this. This is going to be no problem. He starts to lose. And you can see it in his face. You can see the discouragement. You can see the doubt creeping in. Like, oh, dear, I'm, I'm losing bad. And my favorite moment, his mother is in the crowd. My favorite moment is his mother uh, shouts out some encouragement to him. She doesn't say, come on. She doesn't say, you can do it. What she says is, show them who you are. Show them who you are. Now, why does she say that? Well, I think she says that because uh, what we do flows out of who we are. Who we are comes first, right? So when we see someone who, who doesn't know Jesus, they act like they don't know Jesus. That's part of who they are. But Paul would want to say in our passage today, we're going to be looking at Romans 8, he would want to say that when you become a Christian, that changes who you are. And it should therefore change your behavior that flows out of that. It's when we know who we are that we can represent Jesus well, that we can point others to him well. And when we don't know who we are, we're in danger of failing to represent him well. There's this passage in, in Philippians 3, and he's, he's preaching to Christians. Paul is talking to Christians, and he says, you are in danger of being enemies of the cross of Christ. And I just, man, I've always found that phrase bone-chilling. That's the opposite of what I want to be. I want to point people to Jesus. I don't want to be pulling in the opposite direction of Jesus. And I think a key part of being able to do that well, being able to show them who we are, point people to Jesus, is knowing who we are. So in Romans 8 today, verses 1 through 4, we are going to look at what Paul says about who we are in Christ. Now before I read that for you, I want to give you just a little bit of context from Romans 7. In Romans 7, Paul spends a lot of time laying out how bad we are at being good. How bad we are at trying to resist our sin. And, and he'll talk about, like, we know what the right thing is, and we know what the wrong thing is, and we choose the wrong thing. And then it doesn't work out for us, and then we do it again. And then we do it again. And then we do it again. And so he says, we are really bad at being good. 
we need help. We try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We try to make better choices, and it doesn't work. We need help. So once he's established that foundation, he goes on to Romans 8, verses 1 through 4. Let me read that for you now. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So what does this say about who we are? Well, I think the first thing it says about who we are is that we are not condemned. That we are not condemned. So right there in verse 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And my favorite preacher, Tim Keller, he puts it this way. There is no condemnation at all. No possibility of it. We can never and will never be condemned. Even though we struggle with sin, we are not condemned. Christ has taken the condemnation. So we are not condemned. Condemned is a trial word, right? You associate it with a court of law. You associate it with a a judge or a jury deciding if you are innocent or guilty, if you are uh, free to go, or if you're condemned to some kind of punishment. And so when Paul uses this word, he's, he's got two things in mind. First thing he has in mind is the final judgment, right? If you're familiar with the Bible, you know that Scripture says that someday we'll stand before God and we'll give an account for our lives. And Paul is saying, you will not be condemned in that moment. But he's also talking about right now, right? He uses the present tense. He says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, And that's good news, that we are not condemned, because we're terrible at trying to be good, right? We make a a New Year's resolution, and then we break it the next day. We decide, I'm going to go on a diet, and then we see the cheesecake, and we decide, I'm going to start that diet tomorrow. Or maybe even the Christian version, right? I'm going to read the whole Bible this year, and then we get to Leviticus, And suddenly, anything and everything just seems more interesting or, gosh darn it, I'm busy today, right? We're terrible at being good. It's like we're on a treadmill, and if we could just move forward, we would be good. But every time we speed up, the treadmill speeds up, and we run, and we run, and we run, and we never get there, and eventually, we get discouraged, and we stop running. When Paul says there's no condemnation, what he's saying is, you can go ahead and get off the treadmill. There's no pressure for you to be good, for you to get to to win that acceptance from God. There's no condemnation. We are not condemned. Funny thing about being a preacher is that God will have you live through it before he'll let you preach it. That's always been my experience. And so as I was getting ready for this sermon, I felt a lot of pressure to be good. Like, this is not my first rodeo. I've written a lot of sermons, but I I felt it these last two weeks. I knew what the passage was about. I had studied it, and I went to write and make points, and I was just like, "Ah, I don't know what to say. 
I felt like, uh, you know, what, what if I can't do it? It's been a long time since I preached on a Sunday morning. Usually I preach to young people. My jokes, my jokes fly better with young people. What if they don't like me? Right? And I know intellectually what the Bible says about who I am. I know intellectually what it says about, you know, what, what, what Jesus says about me and what other people says about me and how, how that should, you know, work out. But there's a difference between knowing that in my head and living that out. There's a difference between knowing that in my head intellectually and conforming my emotions to that truth. And so I had to preach the gospel to myself over these last few weeks. I had to preach the subject of this sermon to myself over the preparation for this sermon. That there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are not condemned. I don't have to be good. I don't have to perform. I can step off the treadmill. We are not condemned. Sometimes when I'm having trouble uh, really internalizing that and living that out, that message that we are not condemned, I'll pray a certain prayer. It's always been really encouraging to me. It's from my favorite podcast called the Dad Tired Podcast. Highly recommend it to any dads out there. But the prayer goes like this. I'm not what I do. I'm not what I have. I'm not what other people say about me. I'm the one that Jesus loves. It's who I am. No one can take it from me. I don't have to hurry. I don't have to worry. I can trust my friend Jesus and share his love with the world. And what I love about that prayer is that you can put anything you want in the beginning of that. You know, for the I'm not what I do, that hits pretty good for me. But some of you, it might be, I'm not my bank account. I'm not my career. I'm not how my kids turn out. I'm not my grades. I'm not whatever it is. Whatever's that thing that you tend to find identity in, you can put it in front of that prayer, and then you follow it with, I'm the one that Jesus loves. That's who I am. No one can take it from me because we are not condemned. So a few questions for you to consider in response uh, to what Paul says here in verse 1. What do you find identity in outside of Jesus? What's the thing that for you, you would put at the beginning of that prayer and you would need the reminder, you would say, I am not what? Or maybe for you, it would hit more to say, where do you feel condemned? Where do you feel like, I'm not good enough. I'm still on the treadmill. I'm really trying to earn it. And it's hard for me to believe that Jesus has already done what needed done. That it's not about what I do. It's about what Jesus has done. I encourage you to lay your answer to either of those questions at the feet of Jesus today. Because the good news of the gospel is that we are not condemned. So Paul begins this passage by telling us about who we are in Christ. And he starts with, we are not condemned. So let's return to the passage and let's see a little bit more about who we are. Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 
So what what does Paul say next about who we are? He says, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that means that we can begin to win the battle against our sin, that we can begin to have the upper hand in that battle. It says the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. But another way that we could say that is that the power of the Holy Spirit has set you free from the power of sin and death. And that's good news because sin is awful, right? Sin separates us from God. It separates us from other people. It separates us from God's creation, It's sin that breaks apart families. It's sin that causes someone to reject Jesus when they've actually just had a bad experience with a sinful, messy person. It's sin that keeps us from the good life that God always intended us to have. And the good news is that the Holy Spirit, if you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has come to make a home in you. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you to give you victory in your battle against sin. The good news is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, our relationship with God can be reconciled. Our relationship with others can be reconciled. Our relationship with creation can be reconciled. Families can be restored. Prodigals who've turned their back on Jesus can return back to relationship with him, and we can experience that life that he always meant for us to have. The good news is that we are not condemned and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that that means that we can begin to make better choices. In fact, this is such good news that one of the most striking things Jesus says, he says, it'll be better for me to go away and for you to have the Holy Spirit. Something better than Jesus Christ in the flesh on earth is that the Spirit lives in you and lives in me. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you said, I believe that he died on the cross and was raised for our sins, then the Holy Spirit lives in you. And that allows us to be different. It allows us to begin making choices that honor him. One of our youth told me a story. He said, I was sharing the gospel with one of my friends, and I'll call the friend Billy, okay? So Billy was an atheist, he was a skeptic, and he was interested in uh, Christianity. He, he liked hearing about it, but he just said, man, I just, I just can't. I want to believe, but I can't. I can't make sense of this intellectually. I still have too many questions. I can't believe in Jesus. But what turned the tide, what changed things for Billy was that he saw how the Holy Spirit had worked in another friend. So there was another friend who had become a Christian over the past year, and Billy could see that the Holy Spirit was working in that friend's life. The Holy Spirit was bringing transformation, was bringing new life, was bringing change, and it was obvious. He couldn't deny that evidence. And he said, man, I want that. I want the Holy Spirit to live in me as well because the Holy Spirit is what gives us power to grow. It's a key part of how we show the world who we are. We are not condemned. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that allows us to be different. 
I gave a talk to the youth uh, a couple months ago. We talked about Romans 12, verse 2, where it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be renewed. Um, <laughs> when you're preaching your first time, you shouldn't walk away from your notes too much. Be, re- be, tra- be, 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 blah, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There we go. And I shared with them the Peter Knotts International Version of Romans 12, 2. It's a very respected version. I'm going to share it with you today. It's probably a Bible scholar who's rolling in his grave as I say that. But the Peter Knotts International Version of Romans 12, 2 is be different. Be different. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us, we are called to be different. And because we have the Holy Spirit in us, we are able to be different. Everywhere Paul went, the Jews would come and they'd say, Paul, when you preach your gospel, people stop following the law. And Paul's response was, actually, the only people who can follow the law are Christians because they have the Holy Spirit in them. They have the power of God enabling them to make God-honoring choices. We're the only ones who can follow the law. And because we have the Holy Spirit in us, here's a Spider-Man quote for you, with great power comes great responsibility. You have billies in your life that need to see the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in you. You have billies in your life that need something they can't deny. Galatians 6, 6, 8 tells us that the one who sows to his flesh will from his flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Okay, there's a lot of language in there that you might not be familiar with, sowing, reaping, if you're not someone who's grown up in church. So let me clear that up for you. This is an agricultural metaphor. He's talking about planting seeds and harvesting what comes up when you plant those seeds. And he's saying, if you plant your seeds in the same things, you spend your life, you spend your passion, you spend your free time on the same things that someone who doesn't know Jesus spends that on, when it comes time for harvest, You'll harvest the same things. But if you spend your time, you are planting seeds. You're saying, Spirit, I want you to come and I want you to work in me. I'm going to make room for you in my life. I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, come transform me. I'm going to seek you in prayer and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, make, I'm making room. Come transform me. If you're serving others with your gifts, if you are taking the leap to share the gospel with someone, even when that's uncomfortable, that, those are all things that say, make room, I'm making room in my heart, Holy Spirit, come, make me new, make me like Jesus, come, bring life. What it says in verse 2 is that he is the spirit of life, and when you give him room, he will bring life. That's what he does. So here's my question for you. How can you make room for the Spirit in your life? How can you give the Spirit more room? What does that look like for you? Because there are billies in your life that need to see that Jesus is for real. My pastor growing up, he used to put it this way. He would say, when you become a Christian, you can do anything you want to. 
but God changes your want to. And when you give the Holy Spirit that room, he's going to change your want to. And the Billies in your life will be able to see the difference. So we've established that Paul is telling us about who we are in Christ. We are not condemned. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. There's one more thing that I want you to see in this passage. So Romans 8, verses 3 and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So what else can we learn from this passage about who we are in Christ? Well, I realize when you hear that section that I was just talking about, about having the Holy Spirit in us, you might be thinking, well, you know, Pastor Peter, I, I, I read my Bible, and, and I pray, and I come to Victory Life Church, but I still struggle with sin. <laughs> Same here, right? That's why I shared with you earlier on in my message that even though I'm a, a pastor now, and I've been to seminary for like 300 million years, it took so long to get through seminary, um, and, you know, I, 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 I've been a Christian for a really long time. I was still struggling with What are other people going to think about me this week? And even Paul in Romans 7, right? Paul, who who wrote half the New Testament. Paul, who could start a church with his eyes closed. Paul was a saint who struggled with sin. And so that's the tension that we live in, right? That we have the Holy Spirit in us. That the Holy Spirit gives us an upper hand in that battle against sin. But there's still a battle. And so we live in that tension. We, we experience some of the freedom that Jesus promised us. And there will come a time when we experience complete freedom. But right now, it's the some of the freedom stage. And so in this passage, what does it say about who we are? Well, it says that God has condemned our sin. It says that he has met the requirement of the law. And none of that depends on how good you do in your battle against sin. God has done it. That's what the passage says. And because of that, we know that we will be with Jesus when we pass on from this life. And that doesn't depend on us. We are not condemned. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we are destined for glory. We are destined for glory. There will come a day when you don't have to fight your sin anymore. There will come a day when there's no more shame, when there's no more pain, when there's no more guilt, there's no more struggle. Because of what Jesus has done, the destiny of all Christians is glory. There's going to be nothing getting in the way of our relationship with him. We are destined for glory. We are destined for freedom from sin. I love this picture. It's called My First Day in Heaven. And I think it does a great job picturing, it does a great job showing what we should think of when we think of heaven. We shouldn't think of like someone on a cloud playing a harp. What we should think of is a relationship with Jesus where there's nothing In the way. There's nothing separating. There's no sin. There's nothing keeping us apart from Him. 
That's our destiny. That's who we are. We are destined for glory in the arms of Jesus. And that destiny, that should encourage us. That should inspire us to fight that sin today, right? Christian faith was never meant to be a get-out-of-jail-free card. It was never meant to be, oh, I became a Christian, so now I can do whatever I want because eventually I know Jesus is going to get me off the hook. No, that destiny, it encourages us to keep up the fight. It encourages us to keep moving toward Jesus, moving toward a more glorious union with him now, today, so that the billies in your life can see him and so that he is honored and so that he is glorified in your life. The spirit of life wants to bring life today. He wants to bring transformation. He wants to bring growth. He wants to bring development today. So a few questions for you to consider. Is there something that's getting in the way of your walk with Jesus? Is there something where you feel like it's weighing you down and you just want to be done with it? Or maybe for you, you might be here and you might be saying, I don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. So my question to you is, are you ready to get off the treadmill? Have you come to the end of yourself and are you in this place where you're saying, man, I try so hard to be good and I'm really good at being bad at being good? If that's you, all you got to do is reach out to him and say, God, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and I give you control. I make you Lord. What's to keep you from making that decision today? Whatever your answers are to the questions that I've asked throughout this sermon, I want to encourage you that you can bring that to Jesus. You can take a step toward a more glorious union with him today. We get encouragement from the truth that we are destined for glory, but God wants to work in your life today. I told you in the beginning of my sermon about the the fight that Black Panther was in and that, that he was losing that he was discouraged. And then his mother shouts out, show them who you are. And in that moment, you can see that he gains courage. You can see there's a light that goes on in his eyes. And of course, because it's a superhero movie, he wins. He wins the fight. But I think if Paul were here today, I think what he would say to the church is show them who you are. You are not condemned. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are destined for glory. Show them who you are. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for what you have earned on the cross for us. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for the freedom that comes with knowing that you have achieved the only thing that needed done. 
Thank you for making a way for the Holy Spirit, for part of the Trinity to reside in us, reside in me. We can't overestimate the value of that gift. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, would you give us courage to show the world around us who we are and to do that in a way that honors you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, thanks so much for coming to worship with us today. We'd love to invite you to come back next week to Vision Sunday and to our picnic. But for now, have a great week.